0: This is Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry.
1: Welcome back to the program. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Grateful to you for joining me here. Also grateful to Jay Evenson who joins us again on the program. Jay, senior editorial columnist with the Deseret News, has another great piece out dealing with SB 54. Now I don't don't turn away. Stay, stay with me. You've heard this story. But listen, I can remember when I was working with Doug Wright over five, six years ago when we were dealing with this issue. Uh, well, the conversation's a little bit different today. There's an interesting effort to try to work around SB 54 and return us to the ways of yesteryear. It doesn't look like that's going to turn out. Uh, but nonetheless, the editorial board of the Deseret News has made it known their position that SB 54 is still a good compromise, is still... A good compromise for Utah's elections.
0: How many how many bills do we have from six years ago that we can still remember the number? <laughs> here's, a, here's a funny thing. I'll, I'll
1: share a little bit of inside baseball here. We, every once in a while, will get instruction, kind of guidance for best practices type stuff. And just yesterday, an email went around saying, hey, you know, I, the listeners may not be interested in bill numbers. So as we uh, discuss them, maybe the, the best course of action is to use their title or describe them, uh, not necessarily refer to them by number. But this one, SB54, is exactly exactly what jumped to my mind seeing that guy. Something
0: about the number 54, and we want to remember it.
1: Yeah, Uh, Share with me, please, sir, the position of the editorial board.
0: Well, it's basically, uh, SB 54 was kind of the perfect compromise. I mean, if you go back six years ago, and this is really a fight for the control of the Republican Party, and I do understand they are a private entity. They enjoy the rights of free association and free speech. But there's a little difference in Utah with the Republican Party because it, it... sort of is politics in Utah. It's uh, the it's dominant party. Yes, we do have a Democratic party. Yes, there are Democrats in the legislature. Uh, and, uh, and representing and, us at the federal level. Right, with um, uh, District 4. But um, generally, in a lot of races, particularly on the state uh, legislative level, if you win the Republican primary or are the uh, convention uh, candidate, uh You've won the race. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of these races go unopposed by Democrats, and so uh, there's a lot of power in the Republican Party in Utah. And if you go back pre-SB 54, there were there were surveys um, that showed that the delegates to the Uh, state Republican convention were not representative of rank and file Republicans throughout the state and you had some for example you had Senator Robert Bennett who was ousted at the uh, at the convention as well as Governor Olean Walker these are people who polls show could have won probably would have won in the general election and so there was an effort, an initiative called "Count My Vote," mm-hmm. which came out, which would have done away with uh, w- with the, the convention caucus system. And the party was saying, "Wait, you know, we have to have some control over who are." who our nominee is so SB 54 came along to put to to inject a compromise that effectively put an end to the count my vote initiative at that time and it gives us two systems two ways to get on the ballot you can either emerge through the party caucus system or you can go out and get signatures on a petition in order to get on the ballot primary ballot that
1: way and and which candidate has chosen which route or both has been fascinating and almost like uh, a litmus test for whether or not you agree with them over the past few years, uh, I think in the gubernatorial race right now, there is only one uh, candidate who has decided to forego signatures altogether, that being Greg, Greg Hughes. Hughes. We learned this morning, though, that uh, Amy Winder-Newton, uh, she doesn't believe she'll be able to meet the threshold needed uh, via signatures. And she's an ins- she's instructed her uh, campaign volunteers to uh, halt all signature-gathering efforts and rather now direct those efforts towards uh, the convention.
0: Well, it does raise kind of an interesting point because uh, and and the party will say this, you have to have a certain amount of money in order to go that petition route if you're They're not there. cheap. No. And and you hire signature gatherers, I've had some come to my door Um, to get the the, the, uh, right number of signatures. Some of the estimates are $200,000 plus per candidate, at least in a gubernatorial race,
1: to acquire the the requisite number of signatures. Now, now it's not impossible, because we have an example of not that many weeks ago of uh, of a a quote-unquote grassroots effort coming together and collecting over 115,000 signatures. That's well beyond what's required for a governor's race. Right.
0: Well, if people are... Worked up enough about something, th- then you can you can get that. here, plus uh, you, and you're talking about the uh, the the uh, referendum. Exactly on, right. The referendum the, uh, tax reform. Right. Organized by former right. legislator Fred Cox here in the state. And that one got a real boost when grocery store owners sure that to was help.
1: grassroots asterisk. Yeah. Right, That one fo- will forever yeah. be uh, astra- or uh, grassroots, uh, all volunteer, except for that giant company they got involved. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. Okay, fair enough. But fair if
0: enough. we go back to the gubernatorial race, we sure. have an interesting situation coming up here. We could have six Republican candidates on the ballot for the primary in June. Now, that's six candidates on June 30th. I don't know where you're going to be on June 30th, but I'll probably be on vacation somewhere. Mm. And I'll probably vote by mail before I leave, but a lot of people won't. You're not going to have probably a very high turnout at that time. So uh, the winning candidate will probably just be able to to win by getting out enough people, enough of his his or her base uh, in order to vote in that race. And so that raises another issue, but that can be easily solved by the legislature setting up a runoff election or some other way to to make sure whoever wins that has something close to a majority of the votes. Sure. Just add an extra step to the process.
1: Right. Uh, Let me ask you this. Uh, Senator Dan McKay is behind an effort this legislative session. Uh, SB 91. Sorry. I'm not supposed to mention the numbers.
0: <laughs> Ninety-one is not as good as fifty-four. <laughs> That's right.
1: Uh, Senator Dan McKay is behind an effort that would allow political parties. Uh, essentially, his bill lets us return to the way things were. It would allow political parties to essentially exclude from, uh, you know, their support those who seek signatures. Mm-hmm. Now, the the governor. Uh, I haven't confirmed this myself, uh, but to, but the governor has made it known his intention to, to veto that if it were to arrive at his desk. And if I'm honest, I'm having a tough time uh, as well. Producer Amy, we're having a tough time getting through to Senator McKay on this issue. Uh, what do you predict to be the future of this effort to well, return us to essentially uh, the ways of yesteryear?
0: The Republican Party has tried hard through the um, the courts to try to overturn this, and they've lost on every turn. And finally... Uh, most recently, the U.S. Supreme Court declined to hear the case, which makes the Tenth Circuit Court decision upholding SB 54 um, valid. Uh, and in that in that uh, decision, the court said they wanted to preserve the order and le- order and legitimacy to the electoral process. Now, the party at the, at that time said, "Well, we, we may not be able to do this through the courts, but now we're going to try legislatively to overturn this." Which sure. I think is what what. Right, what uh, McKay has done here.
1: It uh, doesn't, I have, again, I haven't had contact with the senator. Uh, I, I lament that. Uh, but the writing on the wall is that it will likely go nowhere. It currently languishes yes. in the rules committee. Yes. Uh, the governor, if accurate, has made his uh, desire known to, to veto that. If it were to come uh, to him, that likely halts everything. And
0: there have been other legislative leaders in the Senate there that have said, "Yeah, I don't know if we have the stomach to do this sure. this, this year. Uh, doesn't mean it won't come back next Next year or the year after yeah. that, and uh, and and frankly, uh, the party I think is re- is is hoping that the uh, the the six person uh, runoff that we have in the primaries in June will lend some fuel to their argument that uh, we having too many people in a primary is not good. But as I said, that could be easily solved without doing away with SB fifty four. Sure, Jay Evenson, grateful to you for joining
1: us, senior, senior. Senior editorial columnist at the Desert News. Always a pleasure. Thank you. I'm grateful to you. Uh, Listen, in the next segment, we're going to talk about uh, something I'm a big fan of. You you may find them annoying. You may find them as they're discarded on the side of the road or in the parking lots uh, annoying. You may find that scooter riders zipping up and down the street are a danger and an annoyance. Well, I am a big fan. And there is a piece of legislation up on Utah's Capitol Hill right now uh, that would impact the scooter industry. I'll share those details with you next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding.